Hey there, folks. Trustworthy Fat Kev Smith. Before we start casting the pods, man, let me try to sell you something first, okay? Do you like me? Do you like my friends Jason Muse, uh, Ralph Garman? Then guess what? We're coming to a town near you, man. We're coming your way, man. Come see a Smod Co. show. Tickets at csmod.com. That's S-E-E-S-M-O-D.com. Now, if you can't come to one of our shows, you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to support this two-bit operation? Well, how about you kick back in your home with some family and friends and loved ones and play monopoly jay and silent bob strike back monopoly that's right man you can buy from jay and silent bob.com the home of the secret stash right there online a signed edition of uh jay and silent bob strike back monopoly me and muse sign it man jason muse jay himself me silent bob uh and the parts are real fun man they got a little cock knocker a little fist a little uh, a little suzanne a little blunt mobile it's crazy man get your hands on it you get drunk get stoned and play around of jay and silent bob strike back monopoly available signed by me and jason muse at jay and silent bob.com now here comes your Smodco podcast. Brain Trust, hello. How are you? I hope you are well and splendidly well. Very well. Very splendid. I regret the word splendid because it makes me seem elderly. Or like an elderly lady. Like an elderly, frail, Jessica Tandy-esque lady. And that's not who I am. And that's not the image I want to portray. Both of those things. So I regret that. Um, but uh, I would like to... Um, uh, Segway now to the podcast at hand, this week's podcast. Uh, before I do briefly, you should know Idiot Test, my game show. You should watch if you like to having your brain tested while you laugh, challenged while you laugh. It's now Wednesdays at 10 p.m., 10 and 10.30 p.m. every Wednesday on GSN. We just had our highest ratings of the run this last week. So the show's catching fire, y'all. Get on board to catch and fire show, game show, brain testing train. Okay? Follow at Idiot Test Show on all social media to keep up with it. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, with one T in the middle. Idiot Test Show. And at Ben Glebe on Periscope, I'm broadcasting a ton from my life every day, pretty much. Um, and I will be in Salt Lake City at Wise Guys coming up on July 10th and 11th in Utah and Las Vegas at Harrah's, the Improv at Harrah's Hotel and Casino on the Strip, July 21st through 26th. And the Pemberton Music Festival in Whistler, Canada, or near there, the mountains, on the 17th of July, with an amazing, insane comedy and music lineup. It's bananas. If you're anywhere near there, get a ticket. Come to this shit. It's worth it, okay? Um, my guest is John Fugelsang, former host of America's Funniest Home Videos, very intelligent, political, smart man, we had an interesting conversation in my hotel room in Norfolk, Nebraska, where I just was for the Great American Comedy Festival. He and I both lost. We touch on that as well as talking about Kim Kardashian's dirty talk, how social media affects comedy, the racist attack in South Carolina, getting hit in the balls, the state of civil rights in our nation, porn, Hillary Clinton, Brian Williams, reinstatement, weathermen, Christopher Walken, and whether a comedian should please a crowd or not. All that happening right now. I got a theme song for you, as you may expect. And then, this great conversation covering much of the week's news. And just some good banter and conversational uh, worst sentence possible to stall out on a word. We're talking about the great quality of conversation 
and intellectuality into actual intellectualism. I had only intellectualism. I've never been there, but the brochure looks nice. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. But Fugel's saying is smart, and we balance somewhere in the middle. And it's starting right now. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. Did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, Brain Trust. Uh, this is a conversation with a very uh, intelligent man, a very funny man. A man who I enjoy and you enjoy. I mean, I assume. I know I haven't individually polled all of you, so I can't speak for you, but I would guess. Ben's enjoyed me in the past. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. We're in my hotel room and I feel awkward. Mm. In Norfolk, Nebraska. In Norfolk or Norfolk, depending on which way you swing on if, that. If you go the way it's spelled, you would go Norfolk, oh. but that does not stop the people of this great town. Well, there's a bit of a blood feud in this great town. Yeah, there there's is. a Crips Bloods thing going on between the folks who think it's Norfolk and the one and the folks who think it's Norfolk. Yeah, it's the forks and the folks, and they are... They're uh, both legitimate, because throats. it's like there's the North Fork, and those are the North Folk. Yeah, and they're so, at each other's throats. They, uh, yeah, yeah. My mother's Virginian. She's from Norfolk, and I don't want to tell you where that comes from. So it's, No, it's, but people can figure it out. Yeah, more or less. Don't so you think? Yeah. This is John Fugel saying, um, he's a very funny stand-up comedian. Um, back in the day, you were host of America's Family Friendly, America's Funniest Home Video. Yes, I did that. Television yeah. show, but now you have a wonderful uh, radio show on Sirius called Insight. Uh, yeah, the channel's called Insight, That's and, and it's like say, an right? NPR with humor channel, and uh, uh, Pete Dominic does a show there, as does uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and uh, a lot of other cool people. And what is your show called? My show's called Tell Me Everything. Uh, I do it with Frank Conniff of Mystery Science Theater. 3000. Love Frank. Yeah, it's, fun. it's like one-third political talk, one-third like NPR interviews with smart people and celebrities, and then one-third uh, comedians. So if you like your radio shows in thirds, that's your place is where to go. Well, I didn't know what to do, and I have ADHD, so I just figured I would try to make it simple by doing three different shows a day, and that would keep me from getting bored. That's a smart move, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of work, a lot of research. That's why I don't even write stand-up material anymore these days. I just think in tweets and Instagram posts, anything that's... More than about 140 characters. I'm tapped out. It's interesting because I, I used to, when I started, I wanted to be George Carlin, and I wrote in all paragraphs. And mm-hmm. then, and then, you know, Twitter helped me be a better one-liner. That did help. It did help yeah. work with our tersity. But now it's like, now it's like I have to commit to time to sit down and actually thread thoughts together. We've lost the skill. Like it's true. Like your parents would joke. Like you, if you, all this texting, you, people aren't going to remember handwriting anymore. And I truly have like my cursive is no good anymore. I can't connect certain words anymore. That's good, though, because I've always had the, the, the penmanship of, like, a an arthritic seven-year-old having a seizure on a True. train, True. And, and now everyone writes like me. And people think that's an epidemic, and it's like, no, it just looks like that, and just also avoid train travel. Is that, a, is that, an, is that an evolution? I mean, I guess it's... 
on the one hand, I, I guess it's fine that kids aren't taught cursive anymore if they're not going to need it. Right, I suppose. I mean, I guess it's an evolution, sure, but we can we justify, I think rightly so, most of the time, a lot of these technological advances and cultural shifts is saying, well, it, it is more convenient, it's faster, and so we embrace it. But to what, at, at what level should we hold on to some of the romance and essence of what originally humans did different than animals, which was like, we had a lot of pomp and circumstance and flavor to our things. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, I, I guess it's like leeches, you know? I mean, it, it's like the glory days of stagecoaches before Axel Grease. I, I don't really know if, uh, mm-hmm. if anyone's going to miss it except the people that were forced to learn cursive. Yeah, we then see the movies, and we wish we were on a stagecoach. And you can be at, at a very contrived environment like a Knott's Berry Farm, but it's not the same. Has, social, has, has Twitter and all that really affected uh, how you do stand-up? Uh, it has not affected the way I do stand-up, no, but I think what it more has put in the way is like a, a, some kind of a disconnect between what I do in my stand-up and what people may expect from my Twitter feed. Right. How, how about you? Much the same, I think. Uh, you know, for a while I, I was uh, only being offered like uh, prompter monkey TV jobs, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I didn't want to do it, and I realized my definition of success was different from my agents and that I wanted to do... Uh, more political and, and religious and, and I guess edgier stuff. Mm-hmm. That was what was in my heart. And uh, and it was weird because when I was doing the funny home video show, I'd have people come to see me and taking flash photos and then walking out. After <laughs> um, and I didn't want to displease them. I just figured, oh, you don't know what I actually do. Right. So they walked sense, into the parking garage and started using those same phones to yeah. hit themselves in the balls and shoot it. Exactly. And hand it to you after the show. It's, it was a beautiful synergy. But now <laughs> I kind of feel like uh, it, it allows you to get you know your material out to more people and they know what to expect. I mean, from absurdity to, to politics to whatever. Like, you know, true. It's, it's a way of promoting and advertising yourself. So. You do show more accurately who you are, and you can speak unfettered. It's true. And you can just tweet longer, and you can post to longer links to longer things, videos. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. Podcast links. I'll yeah. show you. I'll give okay. you a tutorial. Thank you, Ben. Absolutely. It's a brief 140-character tutorial, though, okay. with a lot of abbreviations. Thank you. I'll Thank give you. you my PayPal account. That's no problem. You know how to do that? No. no, no okay. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm like half Amish. I, I, I know how to, you know. Which half? Uh, I, I the, the, the non-bearded half. I know how to I know how to uh, buy things and find porn, and that's about the extent <laughs> that's of my, all you my mean. online. Yeah, that's all you mean. So, I mean, this is obviously you know it's kind of interesting being here in the heartland of our country uh, in a week that has been so tumultuous for what some consider the heartland of our country, and you know, like the the horrific attack that happened at the church in South Carolina just a few days ago. Um, where do you think we are right now as a country? Do you think, you know, a lot of people are talking about now homegrown terrorism really is much more of an issue than, than you know, foreign terrorists attacking us, which certainly seems numbers-wise to be true. Uh, do you think our country will ever be able to have a real conversation again where we chill out about race and learn that we're all the same? I, I think we've always been having the real conversation, just a lot of people haven't wanted to join it. Mm. And uh, I, I do think things are getting better all the time to tell you the truth, um, compared to where so we were 50 years ago, 100 years ago, uh, when I was a kid. I think that uh, it, everything you see that looks like things are getting worse, I can show you 10 things that show we're getting better. Look right. at all the conservative white people in, in South Carolina who were just disgusted and appalled by this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I always found down south, yeah, I heard white people say the end. I was half southern, half New York growing up, and I always mm-hmm. heard, you know, like, yeah, the southern folks might say the N-word more. But the Southern folk also have more black friends 
right. than the New York ones. Right. The New York ones would never say the N-word, but they were their racism would be like, I don't know if I want you kids going over there. There's a lot of black people in that neighborhood. Right. So, you know. They'd use a word. Yeah, they would never say the N-word, right. but they'll say that stuff. So. And that's just because you don't want to be overheard in a weird way instead of actually <laughs> living by actions. Exactly. That's why I get the whitest person possible to walk me uptown, so I look cool. <laughs> um, but, like, look at look at what happened with uh, with gay people. I mean, in the 80s, when I was a kid and moved to New York City, it was at the height of AIDS activism, and, and you know, gay people stopped waiting for help, and they started demanding it, and they came out of the closet. A lot of young gay people today can't imagine that, you know, in the 80s, and even in places today, you could get arrested. I mean, you could lose your job for being gay. And and uh, and they organized with their straight allies, and they marched, and they made things very uncomfortable for straight people. And I think that led directly to, within a generation, gay marriage is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's the swiftest advancement of human rights for, any, for any oppressed minority. And, and gay people are the most oppressed minority because they were the oppressed minority within every minority. Mm-hmm. And True. it happened in this country, and it happened because of a plague. So I don't really get all misty-eyed over flags or founding slave owners or our ability to bomb brown people in third-world nations. What gay people and their allies did and how this country, you know, had to be dragged into it, but then led the way uh, up to a point where a sitting president facing re-election came out in favor of marriage equality. Mm -hmm. Like, that makes me proud to be an American. And that all came from a plague. How do you mean, you're saying the AIDS epidemic is what brought about the conversation? The AIDS epidemic is what brought about the gay community really coming out of the shadows on a large scale. Realizing they had to to stop being in a closet. Yeah, and and no one's ever been given rights. issues to the forefront. Yeah, no one's ever been given rights in this country. Every right the people have has been fought for. Right. And and so that's what's inspired me the most, I think, socially and politically in my lifetime, is seeing how much change really can happen, but it came from people, not from leaders. The leaders have to catch up. That is amazing, too, how leaders really tend to, especially in this day and age, with, I guess, so much diversity of opinion, so much facility with which we can share our opinions, it seems like they are so much more poll-tracking than ever, never before, instead of actually taking a stand and then sweeping the nation a certain way. It's like, you know, Obama has to catch up to Biden, Russia has Mm -hmm. to catch up to Will and Grace, and has to, you know... I agree. it's, It's pretty interesting, but... I think I agree with you that these things are getting better despite the the, the influx into our n- news feed recently about, you know, racist white cops and the mistreatment and the often horrible, wrongful murder of black people. It does seem like almost, not to use a coarse analogy, but but, but this seems like the last throes of the insurgency. It almost feels like these racist cops are like getting it in before it's not going to be tolerated ever again. Well, in a way, you could also view it as being a positive because um, the the racist cops, and again, every good cop will tell you that there are cops who should not be cops. Yeah. And and uh, and there are racist cops who ruin it for good cops every day. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I support body cameras on police because every precinct, the number of false police brutality complaints has gone down. But um, I, I think that that's always been going on too. Just now we're talking about it, and now that everybody's got a video camera in their pocket, right. as Rick Overton likes to say, "Little brother is watching." Uh-huh. You know. Rick, now talk about that because I've a bit about how Google is literally Big Brother. Yeah. He actually helped me ship uh, develop a tag with one of those bits, but nice. Um, but now, so but now, like you know, it's not that that's happening more. It's that we're talking about it and we're noticing it more. Right. And it's you know, it, like look at look at child molestation and you know the horrible exploitation of children. Right. Well, that's awful, and yet it's never been harder 
for a predator to interfere with a child than it is today uh -huh. because now we talk about it. We know it's wrong. When our grandparents were kids, if that was going on, you didn't go anywhere. You didn't tell right. anyone. And that child has in their pocket a computer 50 times more powerful than all of NASA's computers combined when we landed on the moon. Exactly. So they can, and they're more savvy at Twitter language than you are. Mm -hmm. you know, so so. It, it seems worse because the media is saturating it and drama gets clicks, but at the same time, we're talking about it. We're more aware of it. And, you know, and, and I, I, I think uh, what happened with the Catholic Church is horrible, but the revulsion towards it mm -hmm. uh, is really positive. And this new pope, too, I was even of two minds about it because he's so progressive for the Catholic Church that he's like their last hope. They needed him right now. In some ways. What, do, some you, what do you mean? Why? Well, I agree with you. They needed him. And, and you know, like after, after Benedict, uh, you know, Benedict already was the pope before John Paul died. He was running it. Um, but he was going to keep him locked in the 1950s. This new guy is great on many levels. He's great on science, uh, but he sucks on women. He sucks on women's issues. Mm -hmm. You know, the church, not bad on gay issues though. For well, both. but there's the thing. You know, the church play. The church is like a comedian. It plays to the room they're in. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, you know, growing up in this country, Which you and I both could have done better in this festival. To be I have to agree. Well, uh, <laughs> I could have. You were you were you were exquisite. Um, <laughs> the the uh, you go to like liberal communities, and you'll notice it's liberal priests. You go to conservative communities, it's conservative priests because it's all about getting old ladies to open up their pocketbooks and give them money mm -hmm. and tell them what they want to hear. It's all good marketing. This pope comes out and says America has to get over their obsession with gays. Who am I to judge gay people? Mm -hmm. Gay people. Can go to heaven, all this wonderful stuff, and then he goes to the Philippines in a third world society and talks about how gay marriage threatens the family. So it's right. like, all right, you're you're. But it's a little bit of incremental steps too. Those other things are still on the record. And, Absolutely, and but I just I just yeah. have to I, I have to acknowledge because I could easily get drunk on the Benedict on the on the Francis Kool Aid, and right. I love him. Don't get me wrong, yeah. I love him. And it's a tasty Kool Aid. Oh, indeed. Yeah, it's Argentinian. That's right. Lou Dobbs is wondering, you know, who let this Latino in to take our job? It's true, but it's really it's more of a sangria. I mean, it's really <laughs> so you know, and and again, women priests. They're going to need women priests to survive. They're going to need married priests to survive. All this boy raping stuff. I always say that's not Jesus. That's that's Rome. That's a little piece of the <laughs> Roman Empire they've kept alive behind those Vatican yeah, walls. Yeah, he just prosecuted one, which is unique. Yeah, he did, and he thing. did even bigger than that. He uh, went after the Vatican Bank. You know, the Vatican Bank is the biggest scandal because those guys were laundering money for the mafia. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was murder money being laundered by the Holy Roman Empire, and uh, Benedict made like seven lifetime appointments, and Francis fired six of them, and he's wow. cleaning it all up, so nice. I, I do give him props, and you know, uh, I think that, that religion is the leading manufacturer of atheists, and, and they mm -hmm. say that the biggest growing religious group in America is Mormons, I, I think it's people who were raised religious, and now just want to call themselves spiritual, because they're turned right. off to... Guys in dresses and funny hats being hypocrites. And I think that's kind of true, and I think that is the biggest growing. I mean, you said the planet is becoming more and more atheists and agnostic yeah. every year. Well, the first world is growing more agnostic right, every right. year. It's true. I mean, that is really interesting, and, and not to say that anybody should tell anybody else what they should believe, but I think that somebody needs to tell the religious leaders of all the major religions that the one thing you should maybe start integrating into your teachings that maybe has been perverted and misinterpreted over the years in your reading of your Bible, or at least it should be changed in your interpretation of it, is the belief that you have to preach that you're right and everybody else is wrong. Believe I what know. you want. Believe it if you want. Great. But just acknowledge there's a tiny chance... Maybe you're not for sure right, so don't kill and hate others. Yeah, you know, trust people seeking the truth. Don't trust the ones who claim they found it. Right. And uh, I, I don't know. It would be nice to see. I mean, this this pope, is uh, he's got a real opportunity, but... um. You know, it, it's like the, the gay the gay hate has no place in Christianity. 
You know, and I, I want to see someone stand up to the religious leaders and tell them that. But the Catholic Church believes in evolution, and you know, you, you think they've noticed Darwin's number one rule: adapt or die. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what they do. This is true. Yeah, something the Republican Party is contending with at the moment too. They're not really taking it on too strong. But no, they they're not, and it's it's bad. I mean, sixty, I think sixty to seventy percent of millennial Republicans uh, support marriage equality. And, uh, you know, I was at CPAC this year for the first time, mm -hmm. which was crazy. Conservative political action. Community. Yeah, it was wild. We went down to the radio show from there, and I, like, met all these, uh, and a lot of really cool Republicans. And, yeah. and like, and they're, in their CPAC polling, uh, legalized abortion was more popular than Ted Cruz for president. Wow. It's like 17% supported abortion rights and 9% supported Ted Cruz for president. And 5% like, wish an abortion had been performed on, on baby Ted Yes, actually, that's birth. true. Yeah, and filmed as well. Sure, just as an anti-abortion propaganda campaign to make sure Latinos stop. Well, those Latino-Canadian immigrants are taking over. That's a big rising dem demographic that was trying to skip right over the mm -hmm. United States. I love Ted Cruz. I'm a comedian. I want him to win. I yeah. will campaign door-to-door -door for that. But guy. it's tough. It's a tough field to choose who would be the best comedic president between Donald Trump, you have... Huckabee, you have Rand Paul, you have mm -hmm. Ted Cruz, you have Lindsey Graham, you have a wonderful, uh, it's a cavalcade of, of, of morons. I know, I mean, in, in, in Star Wars, you're only supposed to have two Sith at a time, and we've got like 19, so <laughs> right. it's, it's, I mean, Carly Fiorina, she's like a female Ann Coulter, I mean, there's so yeah, many great <laughs> Female Ann Coulter. There's like, there's like, it's oh. Lindsey Graham. I mean, he's, he's like been, a female Ann Coulter. He's a, he's a heroically uh, heterosexual bachelor, goddammit. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, he's a bro without a hoe. Don't Ted, you hear the news? Oh, I did. Ted Cruz is the Abraham Lincoln of Sarah Palin's. And yeah, then there's Perry coming in. It's just going to be great. It's going to be so many laughs. <laughs> and then you got Hillary Clinton, who's arguably the best Republican we've got. So Yeah, she know. is. She's a strong Republican for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so interesting, too, because she seems... It's just so funny, too, because the cult of personalities, too, that usher people in. It's like, I don't want her to be president as far as her... Personally, she doesn't seem like she's a woman of the people anymore. She seems so manufactured and so... But yet... You know her, but yet who do you justices want, she would appoint? Who do you want picking the next four Supreme Court judges? Hillary exactly Clinton right. or Rand Paul? So yeah. it's, it's really easy. I tell these liberals all the yeah. time: you don't have to like Hillary Clinton to right. like her. You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is two hundred and three years old. Is that true? I looked it up. Two hundred three. Two hundred three. So I, you you want to have Hillary Clinton? I think once you get two centuries, the lifetime appointment should <laughs> go into like a question mark phase. Do you like Bernie Sanders? I mean, I don't. You know, look. Bernie Sanders, he's been a champion, I think, for causes over his whole career, and he seems like a principled guy. I'm not a huge fan of his fan fiction from <laughs> of his uh, fictional essays from his post-college days, but uh, he'll never become president, so it just seems a waste. It's like, and I always wonder, to what degree do you have to support the the full cause, or do you go incremental steps? Like you were just criticizing of of the Pope. It's like we're here in Nebraska, and yet at least I like like you kind of stuck, stuck more to your guns as far as trying to deliver more of a, something that'll make the crowd think last night in different did, yeah. ways, last right? Night I did. As opposed to you know just giving people um, you know spoon feeding them with what they already know and want to hear. But to what degree do people need to be brought along in small doses, or do you have to like really? put your flag down like the gay community was forced to. I don't know. I think it's a good question. I mean, it's generational, I think. You know, I think if people hear Bernie Sanders, they will like Bernie Sanders. Right. And the greatest threat of the two-party system is people really listening to this guy's speeches because right. he could get Republicans to cross over. 
But he's so grumpy is the problem. He's like, not grumpy. He has no best. He sounds like Jackie name. Mason when he talks. Yeah, but that's You're not Nazi bastard. That's not good. Nobody needs it. Nobody needs We got this guy over here. He's talking about the president. Socialism. And everyone says to me, well, he can't win because Americans won't vote for a socialist Jew. Right. I'm like, Americans celebrate the birthday of a socialist Jew every December 25th. We get the day off work. What are you talking about? That's true. So, you know, I think he could actually, I mean, look, if he, I don't think he's going to get the nomination, but I think it's going to be like, like, it's not going to be that divisive. He will make Hillary Clinton be a better candidate and yeah, a better debater. He will graciously bow out. He'll give her a hell of a convention speech. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she will have taken policy positions she'll have to honor once she gets in the White House. And she'll have to wait till she's sworn in to forget them. Right, exactly. She won't have to honor them, but she will have to address why she's not honoring them in a great roundabout answer that sweeps it all under the rug very quickly. And, like, there's realities and there's opposition. The next question... My fear of Hillary Clinton is that she's, uh, and I, I'm sorry if we're not talking about comedy, I don't know what, what we should do, but my fear in Hillary Clinton is that she's going to be a one-term punching bag because she'll really? get in there and she's not, I mean, she was on the board of Walmart. She's not going to make the hard choices right. we need to save the middle class, get big money out of politics and reverse income inequality and make it a bit closer to the 50s. She just, I don't see her doing those hard things. So why won't Elizabeth Warren run? Why does somebody who can know. fight so aggressively in her speeches then say, but no thanks. Honestly, it's got to be porn in her past. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. I mean, when you look at the stakes, it's got to be, she must have done porn in the 70s. That would be interesting. I wonder if she was like a like a hot number in the 70s. She's not uncute at the moment. Oh, she's a hot number now. Yeah. She's a mill. She's a mom I'd like to vote for. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it, it is pretty weird for sure, but I think, I think it is becoming harder and harder, so, slowly harder and harder for even candidates to evade keeping up to their promises. People edit, you know, these great montages quickly and people get held to the fire, I think, by the populace in an easier way. It's, it's harder to, like, erase yeah. mistakes of the past, I suppose. Um, Brian Williams, uh, in the last few days, was just reinstated by NBC, but but relegated to MSNBC, yes. where he'll be covering special events, special coverage, and breaking news. Yes. Because um, it's not it's not a lie if there's no one there to hear it. So that's the, <laughs> exactly the ratings right. work in their favor. There. Exactly. Right. But but it's just so comical because it further proves how not news organizations are twenty four hour news networks are. NBC is basically saying only really try to find integrity in our half hour a night we do on Channel Four. But yeah. uh, the twenty four hour round the clock thing it's pretty much show and bullshit. <laughs> I mean they're literally putting in a guy who. Who is was loose and fast with the with the facts as a newsman? Why? Because we love the, the timber of his voice. Why did he have to come back? On I'm the surprised network? they kept him. I'm glad he gets a second chance because none of us should be judged based on the worst thing we ever did. Uh, Even if we did it ten times. Well, I, I don't want to badmouth Brian Williams because he he saved my life in Vietnam. But um, <laughs> you know they have a lot of money invested in him, and they can either let him go and write all that money off. Or they can still, you know, see if they get a return on their investment. It's a very safe call. If people accept him there, maybe they can use him some more down the road. It's true. I guess it's not a bad attempt, and I guess breaking news would be the thing to do because there's not enough time for him to make up a lie. <laughs> They're feeding him that story in the moment, and he's okay. got to really be like a great riffer to get that. No, I thought they just have him do like showbiz interviews because they can't. They can't ever have that him. That would be what it should be. Well, they can't ever have him asking quite interviewing. You can like, do to catch a predator. Mm-hmm. You can do. You can do any of those things. But how could you ever have like Brian Williams up against Netanyahu, like demanding the truth on something? You know, you can't right. do it unless anymore. he just literally has to keep referencing his own stories. Like you're really, you're really. 
approaching a Brian Williams on this one, Prime Minister. <laughs> so, who would have thought? Are that? you Brian Williamsing me? I'm Brian Williams. <laughs> I can no, sir. I am Brian Williams, and you are no Brian Williams. Don't bullshit a bullshitter with Brian Williams. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see. Who would have thought when we were kids that the most trustworthy person on the news would be the weather guy? It's amazing, <laughs> right? That's just because literally they're reading a radar report. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I find it insane to me that even weathermen who are given the title of the man of the weather, they say you can't predict the weather, and they do it. And that title's not good enough in, in this day of needing all of our titles to be inflated instead of pursuing things we're more into. They need to be called meteorologists. Yeah, oh, yeah. How often is a meteor involved in the news report? Exactly right. This Thursday, <laughs> let's look at the five-day Thursday, slight drizzle, Friday, meteor attack. <laughs> Run. Uh, no, you have to have a, a name like a character from Animal House to be a uh, to be a weatherman too. Flip Spiceland, Johnny Mountain, yeah, Stormfield, Dallas uh, Rains. Dallas Rains. There's you no need to have some kind of a weather. Where's like nice. Becky Moskowitz? That's not there. It's just you have to have some sort of clown name. It's true. You're gonna have Brian Williams eventually doing weather. He'll be relegated after more lies. And he'll, be, he'll be like, right now, an earthquake hitting. I'm shaking the ground. It's me. I, I, w- I would trust Brian Williams on sports, like shit that's already happened. Sure, Brian can, Williams can report. Maybe he can exclusively cover the Patriots. <laughs> We're here with our Patriots reporter. The latest scandal. How did they cheat this week, Brian? I know cheating techniques. Let me just say, they were filming their opponents again while deflating their balls. Brian Williams. I mean, he's got a real Back chance to like to like you know rehabilitate himself now. Like he he he'll take a lot of shit for a long time, but I think that the day will come when he'll. You know, he got his job. He got the job in the first place because there was an earthquake somewhere, or the Pope came, or something happened, and Brokaw wasn't around, and they just plugged the MSNBC dude in, and mm-hmm. and that began his meteoric rise, which I never understood either because meteors don't rise; they mm-hmm. fall. So that that expression, I don't trust that either. Very true. Nor are they often involved in weather reports. It's very rarely. Thing. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, thank you, Obama. It's mm-hmm. like, why would he do that? It's like it's like he's almost like trying to take America from us. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I, I he Brian Williams said that the the months off the air were. Tor- Torture for him, and I thought, wow, I never thought he would exaggerate a personal experience. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. I don't want to exaggerate because hyperbole is worse than Hitler. Um, <laughs> yeah, Brian William was tortured in his time off. What do you mean is probably there was some woman dropping one droplet of water in his scalp and yes. it slowly descended. <laughs> but maybe it was honey, and he yeah. really is conflating it with he, some he kind was, of waterboarding. He, he was reality boarded, I think, is what his <laughs> exactly problem Exactly right. Yeah, I mean, when when the the most when the Work with the most integrity in the Williams family is being done by his daughter on girls. Yeah, no, I gotta say, not, and she's one of the great beauties, by the way. Oh, I, I met her uh, last year. I did a thing with Liz Winstead and, and Sarah Silverman. I love Liz. I love Sarah. Through, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, she was Peter Pan too. She with, was with Walken. That I missed. I, oh, I wanted to see. You didn't see Chris Walken as Captain. I Hogan. would have loved to see it. It's amazing. I just didn't want to see Alison Williams as a boy. It would have made some of my, some of my fantasies a little confusing. Get yourself the chance to watch it. Just really? fast forward. I mean, it doesn't. Is work. it awkward and bad and weird? Well, here's the thing. I'm thrilled that they're putting Broadway musicals on TV. Like, and, I think that's yeah. great. And the live is cool. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. I don't even care if it's live. You can say it's live and just air it. You know, sure. like PBS did that all the time when we were kids, and I, I like bringing theater to a television audience. I mm-hmm. miss that. So I think it's dynamite. They do it, and I think they should choose some better musicals because Peter Pan is not a great Broadway not known musical. As a musical really. uh, it was it, the songs aren't very good, but Walken as Captain Hook at age seventy-two, mm. and he dances and he sings, and and at times he's he's either so invested that he's just like Bob Dylan on the stage, just seemingly not into it but nailing mm-hmm. it. But other times you wonder if he knows where he is. It's an it's a and really. Do you think it was any cue cards? Was he reading or was he all memorized? It's hard to tell as it goes on. It's really hard to tell. It's fascinating. I watched every minute of it. I mean, Castle Hook. I'm Hook. I meant uh, Yo, Robin. 
Robin, Robin, where's Batman? <laughs> Walk It does an amazing Walk It. Does he? Oh, yeah. I bet. I'd love to see that one day. Uh, it's on video. You can see it. That's pretty cool. But it's not live. You want to see Alice live things as a boy. Live. It's very weird to see live things not live. Mm-hmm. It feels wrong. It feels very stale. Staler than Dale Brad. I feel that's, as though... That's why you can fast forward just the walk-in scenes. It's okay. worth it, but just for the dancing. Okay. He does like to dance. Mm. I one time met him in the Caribbean. I was doing a movie, and he I was an extra on it, and he showed up in the Caribbean, didn't even know he was in the movie. And I just harassed him in line for food. I kept bothering him with trying to get better and better questions. And he kept, like, not wanting to talk, and I couldn't stop. I was a young child. In my last one, I tried to really impress him with my knowledge of his career. And I said, um, one last thing, Mr. Rockin', you know, I understand you got your, your start in vaudeville, and you were a dancer, and you always try to put one dance move into all of your roles as an homage to your earlier career. And he looks at me holding his tray of pasta, and he goes, yeah, that's not really a question, <laughs> I'm like you're very right. That's not a qu- I apologize. I, I met him once when I was a teenager uh, uh, on 42nd Street near Theater Row, and he was just walking down the street. And my friends and I were there. We said, "Hey, Chris!" And he shook all of our hands. And it was only like not that long after he won the Oscar, but it was right after he was a, a Bond villain in the worst Bond film ever. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was a, it was around the time of McBain. It was a dry time for Mr. Walker. If, <laughs> if I were him, I would just whisper randomness when I'd meet people like toast. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Eggs, toast, ducks. I, I I love him though. I still think he's got one more great performance. Oh yeah, he's a pretty awesome, dude. Uh, what do you think is one of the if if there is one you can think of one of the, the beacons of hope in our nation at the moment? What do you think? What's one of your favorite things happening? Well, I mentioned before, uh, uh, you know how far gay people have come in my lifetime, and and that they've gone from you know being an oppressed minority to like you know being being a. Uh, even to where a transgender person can come out and, and almost across the board. Wasn't that great? Yeah. I and mean, for Bruce Jenner, what he did, what, what she did is, is really amazing because she flipped out everybody. Because mm. she came out as transgender Republican. Right. Which freaked out all the right people on both sides. How me. did the Republican Party not even respond to that? Has anybody ever gone on record? Uh, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, of all people, said that she was welcome in the party. And I don't see why not. She, she's, she's the ideal uh, first off, I'm glad that the Republican Party got one new woman to join the party this year. It's like that's how, they, that's how it's going to be. They'll do it. Right. But she's the ideal Republican voter because uh, she's old, she's white, she's rich, doesn't have a uterus. Everything they want. <laughs> exactly. Um, Perfect so, dream woman for the Republican. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great that uh, you know that the only Kardashian who's famous for being famous for a reason gets mm-hmm. to be more famous now. And, and amazing that he chose a K sound name. Uh, Caitlin. If he had picked the K, I would have just said, oh, you're just a eunuch. You're not a woman. Right. But, but uh, he went with the C. No, but he did it just, he did it just to be ahead of them alphabetically. I think. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think, uh, I, I predicted he was going to be the hottest Kardashian within a year on magazine covers, breaking the internet. And he did true. it in like a month. Really true. I mean, you don't, can you imagine the, the, the sexiness we're going to get if that was the first foray? Well, it's the first time goodness has come out of the Kardashian show. True. Because they, now that people, young people who were born after 1980, you know, know Bruce Jenner from that, and and now there's, there are... And the Arthur Ashe Award will be cool when he receives well, that. Well, there's kids who won't, who won't kill themselves because they yeah. know someone who's like them. So, But it's not actually the only good thing that came out of the, 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 the Kardashian show. I would say two other things. One, I'm, I mean comedically, and one I mean seriously. The okay. comedic one is that, I mean, Kim Kim has given some wonderful masturbatory moments to the nation, and I think oh, we have to plot her for yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. I, you I, see that video? Yeah, I saw the video. You didn't like that booty? With, with, with Ray, Ray J? Uh, not, 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 uh, I, no, I didn't. Oh, maybe, if it, maybe if it was attached to a, a, a less, uh, revolting human. Oh, it didn't bother me. I was a fan of it and yeah. I enjoyed it. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. There's something <laughs> about it, something about it. I enjoyed it. She was a good, dirty talker, but that's beside the point. Mm. The serious thing I think that 
she did that's pretty invaluable also for women's body image. She really, I agree with that. She really helped. I mean, we were going to a sickeningly skinny place. I agree. And she literally made it really cool to have a very shapely body. She also made it cool to be, uh, for, for Armenians to be shallow and materialistic, which I think is important. And they've been unrecognized for that for a long time. For a long time. It's just been about the hardships, and I think that she actually, right. you know. Always trying to get that genocide recognized. And then she's like, wait a minute, you guys. We can be known for our selfies and our duck lips. Yeah, it is amazing that uh, if O.J. hadn't killed those people, no one would know what a Kardashian is. It is. Mm-hmm. We should really thank O.J. O.J.'s for all of these wonderful all changes. Bruce Jenner would be a forgotten Olympian becoming a woman right now if it weren't for O.J. That's exactly right. So essentially, O.J. Simpson is the most important figure in in uh, gender identity and <laughs> the, the, the gay advancement. And, and materialistic fame horrors, yeah. It's, exactly. it's, it's a around. weird confluence, but I think it's interesting. And uh, the only person we can still hold up, I think, that's freed, we can elevate from it is Cato Kalin. I think he really... Is could, could be the, the sponge that absorbs a lot of it and does something with that fusion of power. I I, I got to meet Cato Kalin. Uh, I've met him many times. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I met him at the Playboy Mansion. Me too. Did you? The Playboy Mansion. Bill Maher introduced me to him, and Bill Maher had the best joke about Cato Kalin. What's that? He, he said, "Well, you know, it, it was a couple of years ago, but you know, once OJ went to jail, he said now Cato gets to sleep in the big house." <laughs> As did OJ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. Interesting. Well, thank you, John. We, I know we have to go watch... Ben, thank the, you. I hope we didn't get too deep into our personal demons in this one. I we know. really did. We, <laughs> we, we, delved, we revealed a lot about ourselves. I'm such a fan of yours. I, I've, I've loved you for so long. I, I love watching you uh, on TV and on stage, and it's a pleasure, and I want you to know I'd rather be on your podcast than the best or the funniest podcast out there. <laughs> really, I mean, that's what it means to me. Thank you, man. Thank I really you. appreciate that. No, I've been a fan of yours for a long time as well, and I think you're a com- comedian with a very unique perspective and one who always uh, brings your passion out in what you say and do, and I think that's rare. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. Days. I'm trying to get away from that. Are you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just burning out on politics, you know? like I'm getting a little... Well, that's why I took recently a six-month break from this podcast, because... I was getting a little burnt out. I needed to like take a step back and take a breather and then think how I think about things now. You can't always be spewing your thoughts without taking a step back. To I work. understand that. Well, I took a break from stand-up for a long time, and I tried to get into you know like solo theater and monology, and I, I got a one-man – I was an artist in residence at Dartmouth, and I got a one-man show off Broadway, and, and it was great. Uh, but then like when my dad died five years ago, um, I just got so much more – I was already into politics very heavily, but then I just got so into politics and religion. And I think for me it was a way of still being close to my dad because that's what he liked. Mm-hmm. And and now it's kind of like, all right, well, commercially, maybe I can work on dick jokes and having a baby jokes and dogs and cats and mm-hmm. being drunk jokes. Well, I think you need all of it. Again, it's sort of like the baby steps and also the multifaceted parts of your personality. I don't think we should be afraid to share them in our act. It's like that's one thing I always lament commercially, actually, that I haven't picked one lane because I feel like you find a niche, even if that niche is serious or political or whatever it is. You can really ride that way far, but but so you have I to love happen, the niche, right? And I just happen to be somebody who has a very wide range of interests, and, and I really truly enjoy talking one yeah, minute about here. race relations, the next minute about how I like Kim Kardashian's Kim Kardashian's dirty talk in her video, and I, I, I'm not I can't squelch one of those d- 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 departments. Well, I respect that. I get so nervous speaking there. Well, no, because I really respect it. That's pretty deep. You know, I learned doing funny home videos that my definition of success wasn't what my agents was. And I, I had a nice time. They were very nice people, but I knew I didn't want to do that kind of job. Right. It's only supposed to be a season. 
And then it wound up being two. And when it was done, I, I was I was glad to get away from it. The money was spectacular, but mm-hmm. I, I really, really knew that it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And I told that to them every point of it, that I was the wrong guy for that job. And my agents just pushed me, and I kept saying, I'm the wrong guy for this. And uh, and after it was done, I got offered every kind of what I call prompter monkey job right. in the world. Like, your game show, you get to be funny. Right. I was offered a lot there. of mannequin work on game shows and reality shows, and, and I... I made the choice. I, I said to my girlfriend at the time, are you okay with me? Like, we were living really well, and I'm like, are you okay with a couple of years of being broke? Because I, if this is the only kind of work I have, I, I know it doesn't make me happy. And I, I can't, I, you know, if I could be the guy who just glides out there and is shallow and, you know, has a fake spray tan and we've got fabulous prizes coming up next, then mm-hmm. I'd, I'd do it. But I, I'm too neurotic. I can't. So, uh, so it, was, it was good for me creatively because I knew that I wanted to do a lot of stuff. I sure. wanted to do solo theater, and I wanted to do you know political talk and radio and stand up and 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 religion. I didn't hear anyone ever talking about religion the way I understood it. I never heard anyone, you know, like I heard people say, uh, uh, "Well, being gay is wrong because of the Bible," and I heard people say, um, "Well, you shouldn't be that way," and I heard atheists just say the Bible's bullshit. I never heard anyone say uh, the Bible's against homophobia, right? And and I never heard anyone you know using the Bible to thump the Bible thumpers. So it wasn't, I guess it was a passion I had, but also I just didn't hear anyone talking about the stuff that was important to me. So, and in doing it, I wound up, you know, really uh, making myself an even smaller niche, but um, meeting a lot of people and having a lot of listeners and fans who, who said, hey, you know, uh, I, I grew up Christian and then I got embarrassed of it. And, and thank you for talking about, you know, the parts of that faith that aren't complete bigoted bullshit. Well, so share then really quickly before we wrap up, how you see the Bible as being against homophobia, because that's important for people to realize. Well, first off, you know, it's pretty simple. Jesus wasn't a homophobe, and Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So, the end. But the chapters that they use against... But didn't he have them string him up on the cross and put nails through himself? Uh, they did that to him, yes. No, um, he, didn't, he didn't choose that. Uh, well, he didn't. He could have gotten out of it, and he chose not to. Okay. I mean, you know, it, that, that whole story is a whole different matter, but on the gay thing, they use one line of Leviticus to say that you shall not lie with a man as with a woman. That's in a chapter where, I mean, even Jesus calls out the Pharisees for that chapter being bullshit because you're supposed to stone gay people to death. And I don't know if you homophobes have noticed, the gay brothers have been working out. They're ready now. If you come <laughs> for them. And you've got to kill children who are disrespectful. You've got to kill children who are gluttons or drunks. And you can't eat shrimp and you can't. Yeah, it's crazy. No but one also, who, how did they get that interpretation of that one line? Lie has many meanings. It does have many maybe, meanings. And maybe it maybe means about speaking truth. Maybe and it's, it all, it's all translated. Maybe like it means you can just say whatever you want to get laid to women. It's basically just saying, don't lie to mm-hmm. one of your bros, but if you're trying to get somebody in bed, yeah, your don't lie with a man like you lie with a woman, because right. that's not cool. Right. We all lie to women. Right. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah is not about consensual relationships. It's about a, a mob trying to gang rape a couple of angels. It's not about being gay. The Which chapter- was a... Uh, much lesser respected Della Reese CBS show. Oh, yes. Gang Rape of an Angel did not test well. It was not as good uh, to test by an angel. Oddly, huge in Belgium with a different cast, but sense. didn't work here. Um, and then, uh, you know, in the New Testament, Jesus never says a thing about gay people. And in Matthew 19, he says, you're born that way. Um, you know, eunuch was a term meaning anybody who wasn't going to get married. And when Jesus overturns the divorce laws of Moses and calls them out for being woman-hating, he says, look, there's three guys that this doesn't apply to. Men who are born eunuchs, men who are made eunuchs by men, and men who become eunuchs for the greater glory of God. In other words, born not into chicks, 
castrated by somebody or you become a celibate for religious reasons. You put priests into the same category as gay people. Exactly. And of course we know most, you know, it's not the gay priests who are messing around with little boys because the gay priests have boyfriends. Um, So, yeah, and then in the New Testament, you know, in Paul, uh, Romans, Timothy, and Corinthians, which are used against gay people, but the word homosexual was only put in the Bible in the 20th century. He was talking about Roman male prostitutes at the time. And it's ironic because Timothy, Romans, Corinthians sounds like an Italian gay letter bar. So, you know, it doesn't work <laughs> on that level. So, I, you know, I'm just going to, when people say they're against gay marriage for their religious beliefs, I'm like, prove it. It's not your religious beliefs. It's the hang-ups of dead guys. Mm. Show me where your religion says that two men who love each other in a free society can't get married. Right, which is like what I said on your radio show yesterday, that um, I feel you can, sort of our duty to also when people are being racist or oppressing any group, to instead of just laugh at them or step away from them, to really try to have a conversation and deconstruct their racism. You're right, because if you just call someone a bigot, well, you just called them a name, and that's not going to convince them of anything. doing exactly, really the most beautiful display of what we all really need to do even and, and and beautifully because I think we should embrace all religions as long as they don't force their religion upon us is what the people the the, the victims families from the South Carolina church just did in court amazing. on a live Wasn't video amazing to this amazing. asshole that killed these people that all offered him their forgiveness and said that made to me judge have made God have mercy on you. That's Christianity. That's the great Amish families that all went to the when, when that guy massacred all those Amish kids uh, a few years back, and all the families the next day just brought flowers and food to the killer's parents' home. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what the Christian faith is supposed to be, right. not screaming at women outside health clinics. Right. It's judge, lest you be judged. Exactly. It's, it's, it's about, love. It's about unconditional love for any people who can't help you. So, and so I feel like the biggest mission of these 24-hour news networks and of Twitter and of all social media needs to shift into becoming just Hold people to facts more. Hold them to account and to facts. Try to coalesce these facts. Try to collate rather these facts to put them in front of people in the right way and say, but wait a minute, how do you answer this? And how do you answer this? And try to shift minds. But I think that has to come through an embracing, like you're realizing, I think now, of both parts of your personality and all of our our base desires and our frivolous desires mixed in with their passion desires because people don't want someone who's always just lecturing to them. Exactly. They want to know that that person is one that can also laugh, that can mm-hmm. also enjoy a good uh, rake in the balls video. That's why you get a lot farther with the truth and a dick joke than just the truth. Exactly right. And this is why I think people trust comedians more than they trust journalists or politicians. Right, because we are good at being honest and self-deprecating and saying, we don't know all the answers, but here's something to think about. If there's no truth to a joke, you won't laugh. Even if it's a, a terrible joke or a, a mean joke, there, there, there's got an element of truth, and, and you can laugh for a second. But, you know, that's how people know. They can trust this guy. By the end of the play, the only character King Lear trusts is the fool. Mm, yeah. So that all said, would you take those kind of America's Funniest Home Videos gigs now? Now I would for a couple reasons. One, I, I have a kid. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I would certainly do it for commercial reasons now. But also I'm older and I've learned more to just um, shoot the breeze and have fun and not mm-hmm. take myself so seriously. I, I was doing like, you know, angry political rants in the East Village when they offered me this job. And I was working for VH1 at the time where I got to be a little subversive, but I also got to meet rock stars, and that was cool. But Funny Home Videos, I just felt like, oh, I'm just learning who I am, and I wanted to be George Carlin right. and Bill Hicks, and right. and and, uh, and it wasn't their fault. They, they ran a good show. Uh, nowadays, yeah, I could do a job like that because um, I don't 
take myself as seriously and I can just have fun. And I think people are realizing that you can do all of it and that places are trying to constrain your behavior less, like to GSN's amazing credit, not only will let me have fun on my show, but they know I have a political podcast. They know I just did a web series about weed. Yeah. They don't They don't ever say anything to me of trying to constrain my actions in other worlds. Which Comics I respect, yeah. that, that host very silly things still have very dirty acts and mm-hmm. very subversive acts. And, oh, yeah. And it doesn't seem to bother anybody as long as you're not doing it in front of the wrong audience that exactly. you promised to be cool in front of. You play to the room you're in, and they respect sure. you. I mean, I did uh, the World Series of Blackjack one year for GSN, and I was so impressed mm-hmm. by the run. You know, they, they knew who I was. They knew yeah. what I did. Uh, and they let me in anyway, and it was great because I just I was I was offered the gig, and I, I thought it would be really really interesting. And like I said when we started, I I, I wanted as soon as I knew I was never going to be Daniel Day Lewis, I, I knew that I wanted to to have uh, the most diverse resume I could have and do as many different things. It's as so I much could do fun, professionally. yeah. And in those gigs, when you get the broader audience. To still be subversive in little ways and in well chosen ways, it's the best way to do That's it. Because, like part. we said, if you all of a sudden just go off, uh, bro- uh, you know, uh, network style and rant one day, they pull you off the air, mm-hmm. and no one listens, they say you went crazy. But if you have one really well placed joke that really makes people think, or occasionally a similar thought process comes through with, with a smile on your face where you know you're not there to lecture but just to open someone's mind to a new perspective, that's where it's really effective. You're, you're so not going right. to preach to the choir always. I was doing CNN every morning uh, when my son was born three years ago, and I was doing mornings for three hours with Soledad O'Brien, who, who I loved. Yeah. And I was just on a panel, and I, it was fun. I was, I'm not a morning person, but they let me pick my own music, and I was always trying to see, okay, how much can I push CNN to play cool? I got them to play Far Side, Velvet Underground, Gil cool. Scott Heron, Tom Waits, um, Mo's Death, and then uh, one morning Mitt Romney's communications director was on in the campaign, and Soledad let me ask one question. And I could have gone for something cheeky and funny, but I, I knew the question I wanted to ask, which is... Uh, the media was all saying, well, he, he, is he conservative enough? And, and I just wanted to ask, well, aren't you too conservative now? Haven't you tried too hard to top Newt Gingrich and now you're fucked? Uh-huh. And I, I found an artsy way to do that with lots of words I didn't need and very verbose. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy said, you know, and the guy was like, oh, no, no, it's 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 fine. And you get to the general election and it's like a shake and etch a sketch. And I thought, oh, my God. You got him to say that? And I got, by the time I got home, Etch-A-Sketch was the number one trending topic on Twitter. Oh, my God. By that night, my clip had been seen on all the news networks, on Colbert, on Daily Show. I was getting calls from Europe about it. Whoa. And uh, and it was great because I didn't go for the cheeky I joke. God, that was. And mean. I actually tried to ask a a real question, but it was yeah. a very subversive question yeah. that no real journalist would ask, and it wound up being the first big uh, big uh, uh, kerfuffle for the Romney campaign. It became one of the big things that that pegged him and and kind of pinned him down. As just somebody... sketch, Ohio art stock went up sixteen thousand percent that night. <laughs> they were and, making and, uh, It really did. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Sales on Amazon went up sixteen thousand percent. Okay. And uh, for a, for about two years, Ben, I was having people. Uh, bring etch sketches to my show for me to sign with Sharpies. That's so awesome. it was fun. It was just a little thing that I did. You know, it was like ten seconds of my life, and it wound up like having this ripple effect. And mo- and beyond the ripple effect that continues even to this day, because those are the kind of things like like we just said that become slowly and slyly and smartly subversive that continue instead of someone yelling at you, which makes exactly. you put up a wall. Because I just read moments before you walked into my room that Mitt Romney just tweeted this through social great. media that he thinks they should immediately take down the Confederate flag from the Capitol building in South Carolina as out of respect and honoring of these victims. And I'll tell you something. something hate if, to so many if Mitt Romney had had that kind of bravery right. when he ran in 2012 and not been trying to appease the Tea Party the whole time, 
but had that kind of leadership, Tea Party folks would have said, well, he's not 100% on my side, but I respect him. And they would have supported him more. Totally true. And I think, so then really the answer comes to, and I talked about this with Eddie Brill the other day as well on the podcast, but um, the George Carlin clip I always find late at night when I'm like wondering what I should focus on, he always says he only became a true big success when he truly stopped giving a shit about what people thought and just did what he wanted. So I think it's that opinion mixed with, but you still have to be respectful to the room you've been invited to. It's such a delicate balance. That balance. My first night here before the big show at the Carson Theater, I, I, about two minutes before I went on stage, I threw out everything I'd prepared. You know, I was trying to work what my six minute clean set would be. And I did a few shows in New York, just figuring it out. And then about two minutes before I went on stage, I'm like, no, I can't do politics in this room. Mm -hmm. I can't talk about Jesus. Yeah. To these, if someone said to me, the median age of the audience was 40, but nobody was within 10 years of 40. Right. A lot of older folks with their grandkids came to that show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, you, you got to play to the room you're in. It's not about me wagging my dick in their face. It's totally. about, you know, how how true can you be to yourself while also satisfying an audience of paying customers? Because mm-hmm. then you're Lenny Bruce reading trial transcripts. Right. And you have to find that balance between making them think but also making them forget their problems. And, yeah. And we're also there to make them smile because life can be hard enough. So, I mean, that said, first let me ask you, what is your Twitter handle and, and well, Instagram? At John Fugelsang, that's F-U-G-E-L-S-A-N-G, and uh, John with an H. And your, what's your favorite social media network of choice? I, I like Twitter a lot because I, I now use Twitter as a search engine. Mm. Um, if I'm looking up for a story that day or I want to know what happened, what Mike Huckabee said, I go to Twitter and search Huckabee before I go to Google now. I use uh, xvideos.com, and I find it's... Xvideos.com? really comes That's up great. with, with, with uh, specific subgenres of the things I'm searching. Yes, you actually, uh, one of my, you do one of my Comedy Nation remember, shows, and yes. you mentioned Nude Vista was a Vista. terrific political search engine. It is indeed. If, if you're looking for perspectives that are definitely crushed by the mainstream media... You will have your expectations challenged on, on Nude Vista. Yes. It really, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bookmark. Uh, it's worth it. It's a, I hope you'll do another Comedy Nation show because we do them on both coasts. I would love to do it. Great. We're starting to do it on, a, on the regular in New York, and uh, we're going to be doing a few of them in, uh, in L.A. this summer. I had a real fun time doing it. Oh, I'd love Lena, I'll invite you back. We're doing I would a love it. I would love that. And then, so, in, uh, in, in the essence, after a fairly serious talk, uh, to honor both sides of it, do you think, uh, for old time's sake, we... Uh, could end by just hitting each other in the balls for a few seconds and laughing about it. Do you have a wacky sound effect, like a doink thing that we could sure, do? Of okay, course. let's do that, right? Doink! And the white people applaud. <laughs> This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.